0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hey, welcome back for another episode of the Wellprinter Online Podcast. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy week to listen to me and to get some inspiration so we can grow our wellness businesses. It's August, and I hope that you're able to take some time off this summer. Have you taken any time off? I know it can be really hard as an entrepreneur because we love working, right? We're just so passionate about what we do. We just want to do it all the time. And it seems like there's never enough time in the day to get everything done. But I have to say that taking those three weeks off earlier this summer was really rejuvenating and really help me take a step back and get a sense of the bigger picture and why I'm doing what I'm doing. So even if you can't take a few weeks off, I really encourage you to take at least a couple of days completely disconnected this summer and just try to get away and and see what else there is in life. Explore your other interests aside from your business. I think it'll really pay off. So this week I'm speaking with author and speaker, Tom Asacker. And Tom has just written a book called The Business of Belief. And I actually met with Tom in person when I was in the States during my three weeks away this summer. And it's funny because Tom is not in the health and wellness industry. Tom actually is an entrepreneur that started a couple of different companies and he's been a corporate consultant and now he's a, a keynote speaker at, at large corporate events and he's been building his own business and his own speaker brand now online. And what was really interesting when I met with Tom is that we were chatting about his book and The business of belief is all about how people need to believe that they can get a certain result. They need to be really motivated to have that result and see how it's going to look in their lives before they're going to be motivated to make a change to get it. And as he was talking about this, obviously coming from his perspective of a corporate world, All these bells were going off in my head because it sounds like so much of what we learned in coaching which is that a client has to really want that result in order to put in any effort right they have to actually see what's possible for them and a lot of our work in coaching aside from holding people accountable is helping them have that vision for themselves of something bigger and better and It was really cool to me how this applies, not just in coaching and in health and wellness, but to all different aspects of our lives. From trying to get people to actually buy your products and services, they need to see and imagine in their lives what results they can have. And also just for self-motivation, like if you want to make a change in your life or in your business and get certain results, you have to really believe that it's possible. So I wanted to have Tom on to really talk about the business of belief. How belief works, and how we can use belief to help us be better leaders and business owners, and even motivating ourselves to get the results that we want. So, as always, you can find the show notes for this episode and all the links we discuss back on the site, which is at slash thirty two. And I've heard from several of you that you're trying to leave reviews on iTunes, and it's really complicated, you know, and it is complicated. I'm sorry, I don't know why iTunes is like that. It's like podcasts just aren't that intuitive to listen to. So I appreciate all of you out there that are listening, even if you're just listening online, if you haven't figured out iTunes yet. I do have in the show notes, wellpreneuronline.com slash 32. At the bottom, I've got a link to a two-minute video I made about how to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes if that's helpful for you. But, you know, I know a lot of you said we want to leave a review, but we just can't. So don't worry about it. It would be awesome if you could just help spread the word by tweeting. I'm at Vintage Amanda on Twitter or hopping over to the Wellpruner online Facebook page and leaving your review and your comment there because I can still share it on that page. I can take a screenshot of it. It will still really help me get the word out. So I appreciate it. Don't worry if you can't make iTunes work for you. It's not the end of the world. I'm just glad that you're here. Okay, so let's stop talking and jump into this interview with Tom about the business of belief. Well, hi, Tom. Thanks for joining me on the podcast this week.
1: Thank you for having me, Amanda. Looking forward to it.
0: So I just want to jump right in, actually, because I've we met up, oh, what was it? About uh, earlier in June, we actually met. And I got a copy of your new book, which is The Business of Belief. And I thought it'd be really interesting to have you on and talk about this idea of belief in terms of, you know, motivating yourself as an entrepreneur, but also motivating other people, whether that's employees or even your customers, to get them on board with, with this journey that you're taking them on. And, and so they want to buy your products and services. So um, I was wondering if you could start off by just telling us, what is belief? <laughs>
1: Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, what is belief? Because it sounds like I, I know that when you look at the word, it conjures up it probably has religious connotations. But in fact, what I what I discovered was I w- went on this journey to find out, and this was a couple of years ago, to find out why people, clients specifically, corporate clients, were telling me that they understood and agreed with what I was presenting. But then when I later went back and visited and reviewed their progress. They, they didn't do what we had talked about. And it brought me back in life, you know, 20 years prior to my dad continuing to smoke, even though he was suffering ill effects from it. And I would give him information over and over and over. And that didn't seem to be having any effect on his behavior. So I wanted to understand what the concept was uh, called for something that actually causes people to change behavior or how people make decisions and the only thing i could find the only mental construct out there is this thing called belief it turns out that that human beings are belief making creatures where we our brains are doing its best job to figure out how to negotiate the world from a personal standpoint based on our unique perspective and our drives and all of that and we do that by pretty much subconsciously developing beliefs around different choices that we make. And that's how we negotiate our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. When you said that about that, this kind of came to you when you were working with clients, and you noticed that they didn't, they they would agree with you and then they wouldn't take action. I think that's something that I know I can relate to. And anybody out there listening who's any type of coach, I'm sure has had the situation where, you know, you can tell your clients, you can help them come, you know, get to the point where they are like, yes, that's exactly what I need to do. I need to stop eating sugar. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start, you know, getting in a better relationship, whatever it may be. And then you check in with them a month later and they just haven't changed. And exactly. it's so frustrating because you think, you know, you just, it's, it's incomprehensible because you think you were on board. You told me you were going to do this. You know, it's going to make your life better.
1: Yeah, it's you know, very, it's It's frustrating. It's frustrating. And discouraging if you're driven to actually help make changes, beneficial changes in people's lives, you know, and what we have a tendency to do when we get frustrated is try to pound more information into people or we say to ourselves, well, maybe I'm not being persuasive enough, or maybe I need to be more engaging, or maybe I need to communicate more often. So we, we all, we boil down this challenge to a communications problem when in fact, it's not a communications problem at all. It's the way people's brains are processing that information, what their state is, what their desires are, how they're viewing it, their perspectives. So that's what the book was written for was to show people what that journey is from the beginning of this process to belief, which actually changes behavior.
0: As I was reading through it, there was one chapter, which I guess it is a chapter. Just so everyone knows, the chapters are super short. It's like one page a chapter, right? So it's really it fits into your life to read this book. But there was one that was called Desires Drive Beliefs. right? And I was wondering, I mean, that really stuck out to me because. There's someone else that I know that maybe a lot of you listening will be familiar with called Danielle Laporte. And she has um, a book called The Desire Map. And it's really about trying to figure out – it sounds a bit similar in that she's saying, you know, it, it's what you desire is is really what's going to – I mean, that's driving – you, that's your motivation. And so I'm curious – I'm curious your take on that. Can you talk a bit more about how desires are actually driving beliefs? Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the word belief, and I don't remember – I think it was maybe in Old English, but the root of the word belief is a word leaf, which means wish. So a belief, to believe means to wish something to be true. So you, you, you're driven in this belief by, by a desire for it. So when we're out into, in the world and, we're, and, we're, uh, and we have a desire for something, that focuses our attention on, on information that supports it, evidence that supports it, you know, we'll tune out conflicting evidence. And we do this all the time. Like, for example, I've I've talked to people that are, that are, that want to be writers or write a screenplay or even athletes. I've talked to people, you know, young men who want to be athletes and young women. What they do is they don't look at, they don't look at the data and say, well, wait a minute, how, how, one out of how many people makes it in professional baseball? They don't do that because if you do that, you'll start getting really discouraged. Instead, what they do is they have this burning desire and then they go out and they look for stories about people who made it, maybe who were uh, their stature or their background or, you know, it was hard for me too, but I did this and I did that. And they start filling their head with all this data that supports that desire and that ends up driving them forward. Uh, it fuels their their wish, their belief, especially in their abilities to control their destiny and, and to make things happen. So belief from that standpoint is kind of a, I don't know, I, I call it a naive, self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? You look at all these people that make it as, as entrepreneurs and actors and musicians and writers and whoever they are, and they have told themselves that they can do this because they desire to do it. If someone else tells them they can do it and they don't have the desire to do it, nothing will happen. Because what they'll do at that point is find conflicting evidence. They'll say, well, what makes you think I can do it? There are hundred thousand people that aren't making it that are better than me that are trying to do this. So it's, So, it's, it's it's a really interesting concept.
0: Yeah, because basically you're saying that's the key to success. Or a big key to success is no, just no. It probably weak. is
1: the key. It is the key. If you don't, if you don't want it really badly, what will happen is as soon as you start running into setbacks and discouragement or pain, whatever it is, you'll talk yourself out of doing it. It's easy to talk yourself out of doing anything. I mean, come up with an idea and then go to Google and, and Google it, and you will see that there are you know tens of thousands of people with the same idea. So you'll look at that information and you'll say to yourself oh, I have no business doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you really have a burning desire to be whatever it is, you'll just keep working at it and working at it. You'll talk to people that'll give you information to help you develop. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll ignore the information that dissuades you and you'll, you'll find the information that moves you forward.
0: So it is, I mean, belief makes you biased because like you said, you just start filtering out the information that doesn't fit with where you want to go. But in a way, that's a benefit because it keeps you on track. And it, it, yeah, it keeps you moving towards that goal.
1: Oh, it's very biased. And see, that's that's why people get, uh, I, I think people who are maybe a little down and out and discouraged, when they read about people who've made it, saying, giving advice that says, you know, just keep pushing forward with your dream. You can do it too. You know, they don't really like that message because what they're saying that these people aren't doing is acknowledging all the other people in the world that have pushed really hard and, and not made it, you know? And it's not that they're saying you will make it if you push really hard. What they're saying is if you don't push really hard, you can never make it. Mm-hmm. That's what they're trying to tell people. Not you. if you do this, you'll make it. No, but no, but No actor in his right mind would say, if you're a great actor and you practice your art form forever, you're going to make it into Hollywood. No one would ever say that, that's, that, that made it. But what they will tell you is if you don't have that burning desire, you're never going to make it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to do what you're passionate about, right? And you talk about that in the book, too, is that, I mean, because you've got to have that just complete belief that you're going to make it and this burning desire to make it happen, to want that, whatever it is. And so you it's got to be something that you really genuinely love because you can't really do that half, you know, half heartedly.
1: Well, you know, it's the same with it's same with clients. I mean, I tell uh, I tell independent consultants and coaches all the time, make sure that the people that you work with really want it because that's what's going to help them achieve it. If they, don't, if they go into something and you're not sensing any real burning desire and what you're trying to do is sell them on the program, then you, may, you might end up getting discouraged uh, very soon after because it takes that desire to continue to push forward and make these things happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think we've all had, well, I know at least I have, you, you know, you have clients like that, that for some reason they agree to sign up to work with you, but you can just tell their heart isn't in it and then they just don't get the results. The other people do because they just, like you said, you can always make an excuse not that's to right. do something. That's and there right. can always be, oh, you're too busy and it's not the right time and it's too hard. And, but it's ultimately that they just don't want it enough.
1: Yeah. Well, see, and that's, and I think that's the key with any type of consultant, any type of leader, you know, I mean, and, and that's who I write. I wrote the book for people that I think are leaders. And, and, I, and, and it's a, I mean, it's a diverse group of people, anything, anywhere from coaches and salespeople to entrepreneurs and, and teachers and, what leaders really are doing is they're, they're finding people that have desire and they're acting as a guide on their journey to achieve whatever that desire is. You can't take a, someone who doesn't desire a journey and take them on that journey. It doesn't happen like that. You have to surround yourself with people that want something and then you can help guide them along this path to, to achieve it.
0: Okay. I think that's really juicy. This is really interesting because when, you know, in the beginning we were talking about basically how to motivate yourself with, you know, surrounding yourself with people with similar beliefs and reading about successful people, blah, blah, blah. But this about how to actually motivate other people along that journey, it seems to me that would work. I mean, that's would be super key to the sales process because you're, what you're saying is you're not actually just Trying to find random people and sell them on your idea, you're actually finding people that want this certain outcome. And then, and then what you're bringing them, can you talk more about that? What are you doing? Bringing them along this journey or showing them what's possible? Or what are yeah, you see,
1: doing? Now? Not, see, you found that this, this is such a hard thing to see. It creates more frustration than I can even begin to tell you about. So instead of going out into the world and finding people that have a particular belief and desire. And then painting the picture of, of the outcome of the future state that they want to be in and, and guiding them to that place, you know, allowing them to control the process and, and guiding them on the way to that outcome. Instead of doing that, what people do is they have something, some service, some product, whatever it is, a cause. And they say, we have to go out and talk to as many people as we can and sell this thing or get them to adopt, or get them to donate, or whatever it is. And that leads to huge amounts of frustration because you can't move people who aren't interested in moving. If you want, like for example, you know, the Navy SEALs, the reason that they're an elite group of people is because they use a very particular process to weed out everyone but the people that have this extreme desire and identity of being a Navy SEAL. And once you have that, now you can create a team that can do some amazing things. But you just don't take a bunch of random kids and say, okay, we're going to turn you all into Navy SEALs. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. What you have to do is find the Navy SEALs that are hidden inside of these people.
0: So in terms of us, like entrepreneurs, small business owners, so what what you're basically saying is you need to find the people that what want this end goal or are already on that journey somehow in a little way or really want the outcome that your product or service will provide and then what show them what that, it, that it's possible i guess show them the vision at the end
1: well one thing one thing you have to do right at the beginning so let's say you do understand these people who they are and what their desires are you also have to understand what their beliefs are because you can't go in there and and start Giving people, Remember, I told you, we filter information based on our beliefs and our desires. So if you don't understand what they already believe, it's going to be difficult for you to create something that makes them comfortable because they may look right at what you're doing and say, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't, uh, no, I don't connect with that. I don't believe in that. It could be anything. I mean, there's a fitness machine in the back of magazines and I write about this in a book that tells you that you can get a two-hour workout in four minutes or some crazy thing, right? Yeah. So why would anyone believe that? Well, there are people that have that desire,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And for whatever reason, that particular organization has tapped into the beliefs that those people already have. And they and they painted a picture that draws a particular group of people in. So it's important to realize what makes them comfortable, what their current beliefs are. And then you can paint the picture of transformation And then you can help lead them through the process by making it theirs, giving them control of the process, making it really, really easy. Because as soon as something becomes difficult today, people just stop it, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to make it easy. Get them to take action. As soon as someone starts taking action, they start convincing themselves that that must be the type of person that they are.
0: Yeah, that is I mean, that's something we talk about a ton in terms of online marketing, like making, if you're writing a blog post or you know having a giveaway on your website for free, have the people get some result, like have some small action step that if the people actually do it, which not everybody will, but those people that do it will get some little taste of a result. And then I think that makes them so much more likely to work with you because they see that that you can help them get what they want. But also I think, which is what you said, that they start to believe that they're the kind of person that can get that result.
1: Absolutely, you look at it. It's, we subcon—when we take any type of action, we start, we start subconsciously validating that that decision. <laughs> we say to ourselves, "Well, I must be doing this because," and then we fill that blank in to make us feel consistent in our in our behaviors. Because that's the other thing we want to do is we want to be consistent in our beliefs and our behaviors. So to take an action, then we We in order to be consistent, we have to tell ourselves, "Ah, this must be the type of person I am
0: <laughs> so this is why this just clicked in for me, but there's a big in lots of like you know entrepreneurial mindset stuff and websites and books that I read, they always say to act as if, so if you want to be. You know, I don't know, whatever it is that you want to be. If you want to be a coach, if you're just starting out, well, how would a coach act? Or this is a good example. If you wanted to be good at networking because you hate going to networking events, then you just start to imagine yourself as if you're a great networker. Like what would that person do and how would they act and you know, how would they behave in that situation? And even if you just do a little bit of that, then you start to believe that that that's how you are. And you start acting like that more and more. And it just kind of clicked in for me. That's that is why that works, because our minds are trying to make it congruent and make sense.
1: Yeah, that's it. You know, listen, William, yeah. William William James said it. You know, he said that if you want to quality act as if you already had it. Uh, pa- Pascal argued that if you act as if you believed, you would end up believing And you're right. And that's what's going on. But what we typically tend to do when things get difficult is we try to think our way into changing. Right. We try to we try to conjure up a positive mental state like, all right, let me just try to think about being confident and then I'll be able to go out and network. Don't do that. (laughs) Go out and network. And what you will find out is your confidence level will start rising. Because you're, you're, somebody told me once, and, and I know it sounds absurd, but it's, but it's been studied and it's true, that if you hold a pencil between your teeth, it forces your face into a smile. <laughs> and because your face is smiling, it tells your brain, we must be happy. So your actual state of mind changes if you fake a smile. Cool. Well, not fake one, but hold the pencil, which will, will create a real smile.
0: hmm <laughs> There we go. There's everyone's takeaway tip. <laughs> if you're feeling <laughs> down, put a pencil between your teeth, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, something else you said in the book um, is you said that great leaders inspire with a vision, but hide the how. Yeah. Can you well, talk a little bit about, I'm, I'm really curious about that and how that might apply. I mean, I, you know, as solopreneurs, we are leaders, but you're not really leading employees. You're leading potential customers with your vision. So, like kind of what? What can you talk a bit about that? Inspiring with a vision, but hiding the how.
1: Yeah, this is this is really difficult to describe. I, I give an example in the book, and I say that, um, for example, if you're watching a movie and you're really engrossed in the movie, no one's going to show you what's going on. They're not going to pull the curtain back and say, "This is how we made that movie. This is why you're crying now. This is how we changed the plot to yank you in and." hug on your heartstrings or whatever it is. They don't reveal that, that magic, which it, which it is. It's, it's magic. But it's, it's also a huge illusion in that, you know, it, it, we know it's not real, but we want to be moved by it. It's, it's when we go, when we go and we have a fancy dinner, you know, this really expensive dinner, and, you know, they make the plate look beautiful. <laughs> we know the plate of food doesn't have to look beautiful. For it to taste beautiful, right? We know that we know that uh, s- sashimi is is cold dead fish, but that's not how it's presented to us. So it's important to understand what people want, you know, visually, emotionally, how they want to be pulled in with the right signals and sounds and cues, and bring it to life and hide the how behind it. Right. So, it, you know what I mean? It's like if you met your favorite actor somewhere, some, some actor or actress that you really loved, and then they showed their true colors and they were like a real dud or, or just a slob or somebody you, you just really didn't respect. All of a sudden, that magic for that person just falls off,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just disappears. And the same thing happens if we pull back the curtain on what we're doing. And we say, do you see this wonderful, beautiful website? Yeah, it was designed by this 15-year-old kid in my basement. Nobody needs to know that. We don't need to hear that. All that does is it, it 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 ruins the magic. It's like a magician saying, okay, here's where the rabbit went. He was behind the hat. It ruins the whole thing.
0: I'm wondering in terms of like if we're selling a program, how I'm translating this is So imagine that you're selling a program where the end result is weight loss. Well, of course, there's going to be dietary changes and you're going to have to exercise and you're going to have to probably stop eating lots of sugar or whatever it is that's in it. But you're saying maybe we don't need to get, people don't necessarily want to know all the details of the specific nitty gritty how. They really want to see like the end result and then the journey that they're going to be taken on and that that kind of the confidence that you know what you're doing, taking them through it, but not necessarily showing them all the every single little component that's going to be in it because because they don't need to see that in the beginning. Right. It's I happening. mean,
1: think, think of it. Think of it like like popular magazines, popular magazines will show you a before picture of a garden and an after picture or maybe a before picture of a living room and an after picture. Mm-hmm. They don't show all that work that's going on pulling weeds and digging soil <laughs> you know, they don't show that because that's not what you desire. Mm-hmm. You desire, you desire the, the, the outcome now that's not to say that if, if there's something unique about what it is you present, that you don't bring that to life in some way. I mean, look at, for example, Apple's website. If you go to Apple's website, they show the beauty and the aesthetics and the experience right on the front page. So that's to draw you in because they know that that's what you desire. But then if you click a link, it will take you to different sites within the site that'll that'll tell you about the the special glass that's used to make it or uh-huh. the aluminum. You know what I mean? So yeah. if there is something special about it, you should highlight that.
0: Well, I think there is a – and there's a balance too because, you know – especially if, if your brand is yourself, if you are the brand, then I think you definitely have to find that balance with authenticity too, because I know, especially online, and this is really getting into online marketing, but there's so many people doing online marketing that are just too good to be true and just everything looks perfect. And I think people can be quite skeptical of that. And so I think there's, it's kind of finding a balance of, you know, you want to show the end result and the vision and help people paint that picture of how they're going to get there. But also, you know, making sure that you come through as authentic and human and, and not like some perfect, untouchable person, unless that's your unless that's your brand.
1: Well, see, that's the thing. It depends. It depends what people desire, because if you look at, for an example, uh, some major corporations, right, there are executives at major corporations that want to work with the elite advisors. And these elite advisors, they paint themselves as these you know, special secret sauce types of uh, people. They don't want to go out there and say, oh, and I have a black lab and we go for a walk on the beach. They, they leave that stuff out mm. because they, they want to paint the picture that the people desire. And th- I think that's what I mean by hiding the how. If your audience desires to know about you, if that'll make them feel closer to you because it makes them feel good about themselves. Like, for example, if, if all of your clients were pet owners and, and you showed a picture of your pet, okay, that might make a huge connection to them because they already have that desire and that belief. But if they're not and you don't know if they like cats or if, or if a dog bit them last week or whatever, and they come to your site and they see a dog, you, don't, they'll, you may not know, but they might just turn away it's a really delicate balance. And and that's why I say it's more important to give them the information, the visuals, the imagined state that they're looking for than it is to be disclosing things that they may not be interested in. Not because it's, it's not a human thing to do, but because you don't know where these folks are coming from. Do you know what I mean by that?
0: Mm-hmm. It's Great. a
1: hard It's a hard thing to say. I mean, I just gave a, I gave a TED Talk a couple of weeks ago and it went up online. And all I said at the beginning of the talk was a lot of people don't change their behavior after watching a TED Talk. Now that sounds okay. I mean you know, true or not, because if we all changed our behavior, the world would be a, a much better place than it is right now. And then I mentioned, for example, I've watched Brene Brown talk about the power of vulnerability. And I agree with her, but I'm still quite vulnerable. Now, that was the line in the speech. Do you know I got feedback from people saying, why would you dismiss Brene Brown? We, I love her. I've, I've, I've bought all her books. You see what people do? As soon, as soon as they have a belief and a desire and they have formed their identity around that belief and desire, if you show them something that's, doesn't match that or that makes them feel bad about who they are and their decisions, they will turn it right back around and they will say that you're doing something or have said something that's wrong.
0: So it really all comes back to knowing your audience then and more than just knowing who they are, but knowing not what they want, but also what they believe so that you can you can meet them where they are, really, rather than just assuming that they're yeah, so you can. I guess so you can kind of meet them where they are and bring them along that journey rather than doing what you just said, which is like possibly having them block out the information or completely because it, it threatens something that they believe.
1: Now you, listen, this, that, what you just said is pretty much the most important concept to take away from this is if I understand the desires and the beliefs of the people that I want to serve, and I mean really understand what they think, what they feel, what they want, all of that, then everything else flows naturally from there. Now you know what to create that will appeal to those desires. Now you know what type of journey to go on that will make, their, make them feel comfortable in what they already believe. Because if you don't understand that, it's, I mean, how could you serve people food if most of the people you're talking to are vegetarians and you don't know that? How could you possibly open a restaurant if everyone in town is a, is a vegetarian and you didn't know that they were all vegetarians. You see, but what we end up doing is we go out into the town and we say, well, Jesus, I, I, like, I like ribs. I'm going to open up a rib joint.
0: Totally. Everyone does this online too. Is that and, and you know I fall victim to it too. We write about and we talk about what we're interested in rather than saying, oh, what's my customer interested in? What are they <laughs> struggling with? What's their biggest question right now? And then focusing all of our marketing and our communication around that. And just that alone, that simple switch, makes such a huge difference.
1: Well, and I think it's because it, there's, this, there's this saying, follow, you know, if you follow your passion, the money will come. And what people don't realize is that passion has to be connected to your audience's passion. Those two things are, are you know, different sides of the same coin. So if you do that, then the money will, the money will follow. I, I mean, I heard a story once about Picasso and, uh, and Van Gogh right so here you hear these people that, that whose works today sell in the tens of millions yet van gogh pretty much died penniless i mean he had no money at all and picasso was financially very successful now both of them were doing what they loved so they were following their passion but picasso knew what the people who bought artwork loved they he knew that they loved celebrity so he used to hang around with those people He'd make all the connections with the dealers and the bankers and the, you know, the elite. Van Gogh, he didn't want to be bothered with any of that. He wanted people to just buy his paintings based on you know, the quality of the painting. So if you want to be successful, you have to do what they love and the money will follow. And if you can do what they love with what you love, then you're a successful person.
0: Awesome. Well, we're running to the end of our time together, Tom. So thanks so much. But can you um, let us know where people can find you if they'd like to learn more or get in touch with you? Sure.
1: Uh, They can go to um, thebusinessofbelief.com and that'll take them to uh, a landing page on my site with the book and the information, but also links to everything else that I'm doing. So that's probably the the easiest place to remember is thebusinessofbelief.com.
0: Cool, and I'll um I'll put links to that in the show notes, and I'll link to I'll link to your book and your site, and I guess your recent TED talk too, so people can check that out.
1: Yeah, hopefully they won't get upset with me and send me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. e- emails telling me that I'm dismissing people because I'm not, but uh, you'll see when you look. There's at a it.
0: lot of Brene Brand- Brown fans out there, so yeah, I yeah everyone, you've you been warned. So do be huh? <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, thanks so much for joining me today, Tom. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpruner Online Podcast with Tom Asacker. This was episode 32, so you can get the links back to Tom's website and his book and everything we talked about in the show notes, which is at wellpruneronline.com slash 32. And if you haven't already hop over to iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe because subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. So I'm wishing you tons of success in your wellness business this week and yeah, have a great one. And I'll see you back here next week, the next episode.